I'd like to welcome everybody back to Coach Starnes Raw. Uh, again, I'm Coach Starnes. I'm the head football coach and associate AD at All Saints here in Tyler, Texas. Uh, you know, and and again, just kind of get a recap. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about our football game from the previous week and kind of give a preview of our, our game for the upcoming week. And then again, I'm gonna talk about just relevant issues in college football, NFL football, and just football in general. So. All right, getting started. You know, last week our varsity game was postponed to October eighth against First Baptist, so we weren't we weren't able to play last week. But but we're really excited that the game was able to be moved to October eighth because both teams uh, shared the same bye week. Uh, but our middle school was able to go to First Baptist and play and, and got some good experiences uh, against a really good First Baptist team. Uh, it's, probably, it's probably one of the best middle school teams that I've seen since I've in my tenure here at All Saints. And and our young men played hard and fought hard for the entire game, and 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 we learned a lot from that. Uh, so you know, moving forward with our middle school, again, we're really excited about that group of young men, and and now that we have two games under our belt, we're kind of learning what we could be good at, and and that's one thing I've uh, I've learned here at All Saints, especially with a. Uh, a smaller number in in your program, you have to be very flexible in everything you do, uh, offensive, defensive, special teams, overall culture of the program, and so each group kind of has strengths and and things they might not be as good at, and and so what we, our job is as the coaches here at All Saints is to modify and be flexible within our offensive and defensive and special team schemes to to best to best use these young men's abilities, you know, so that they can go out there and have a chance to be successful every Friday night or Thursday night, whatever day it is. And so that's what we're learning with our middle school group. We're learning what we're really, what we could be really good at. And, and we're making some modifications to, to our offensive and defensive schemes, you know, moving forward. And, and so this week they have a bye this week. And so we have a big matchup next week against TK Gorman at TK Gorman with the middle school. But again, we're real excited about this group of young men. And, and again, we do the same thing with the varsity. You know, I, I spoke last week about the modifications we had to make to our offense and our defense, and and we saw a, a, just a huge growth, significant growth from our week one game against Big Sandy to our second contest against Founders, which we won again, thirty-two to twenty-two. Uh, so. Looking forward, tonight we play Dallas Covenant in our district opener, our home district opener. And so we're very excited about this, the chance to, to step out there and, and, and show what we've been working on this week. Um, this is a, a good Dallas Covenant program. It's a young team. They had a very senior-laden team last year. I think they finished third overall in the district behind Pantigo and Grace Prep last year. So it's a good, it's an up-and-coming school, a good football program. Um, they're a little younger this year. They're coming in 0-3, but they've played a tough schedule. And so we're looking forward to a, a good, tough test tonight. And so I feel, you know, in each week I kind of want to talk about what we have to do in all three aspects of the game to, to come away successful. And there's things that we talk to these young men about each week. Hey, guys, here's what we have to do. Here's what we have to do on offense. Here's what we have to take away on defense. And, and here's what we need to do on special teams to win the football game. And so I'll kind of share some of those with you all tonight. You know, our offense, our, we're, we're, you know, a, sp- a spread, we're a shotgun, multiple option offense. Uh, so the keys to the to the game for us, we feel on this week on offense, as every week, we need to control the football game on offense. We need to control the clock. We need to shorten the football game. And we need to, 
as always, operate our option. We run multiple options where we read almost every defender on the field in some in some form or fashion. And so, again, that's a that has become that that option game has kind of morphed, and 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 we're hitting it very quicker. And, and, and again, that's very important this week because they are playing a very aggressive style of defense. And so the faster our offense can hit or get to the line of scrimmage, the better off for us. So one of the also the keys for us to for victory this night or to, to be successful on offense is we have to neutralize their pressure and especially their edge pressure. They're going to they're going to be very <clears throat> aggressive on the edge of our the box or the edge of our offensive line. And so. We have to be very good containing their edge pressure so that we can get on the perimeter, spread them out, and then we can start attacking the middle with our option offense. On defense, again, on defense, what we look at each week is we look, what do we need to take away? What do they want to do? You know, two weeks ago, founders wanted to come in and run design quarterback run. That's what they wanted to do. That's what they were most successful at, and we took that away. This week, uh, we see a Dallas Covenant offense that that likes to spread and likes to get on the perimeter. So, well, what our goals for on our defense and the adjustments we made in our defense, we want to make them run the ball inside, and we want to contain the quarterback on their sprint out. They're a heavy sprint out team, and so we are looking and making some modifications so that we can contain their quarterback on sprint out passes and put pressure on him on, on in the sprint out game. And, and first and foremost, they're probably their favorite thing to do is to run RPOs. And just for, for all of you, that RPO stands for a run-pass option. So the offensive line is going to have a, a run block, a, a run scheme. It could be inside zone. It could be counter. And then they have a pass off of it. It could be to an outside receiver. But most, most common for them is to the inside receiver on what we call a pop pass or a quick slant to replace the linebackers. So what we've done is we're making some modification. We have to take away their RPO game. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to establish. And so we're, we're looking to take that away <clears throat> to try to limit what they can do offensively. On special teams, we want to be able to neutralize. They're a very aggressive team on special teams. We have to be very solid on special teams. We always want to return kicks for touchdowns. like Just like last week against Founders, we returned a punt for a touchdown that really opened the game in the second half. We want to do stuff like that, but what we need to do this week is make sure that we are solid on special teams and that we neutralize their pressure on special teams. So those are what we feel as a coaching staff are the keys to victory for this week. And so we look to do those tonight at 7 o'clock here at Mewburn Field against Dallas Covenant. We, we're expecting a great crowd tonight. It's middle school recognition night. It's, it's always an exciting atmosphere. It's a beautiful atmosphere here at All Saints on a Friday night. And, and again, we look forward and cherish every moment we get to step out there on that field on Friday night and represent our school playing football for the All Saints Trojans. Let's move on to college football. There were some, there were some, you know, some real, I'd say, some key matchups this past weekend that I thought were must-see matchups. And you know, I'm not going to go into every game, but I, you know, some of my key takeaways. I know last week we talked about, you know, the Pac-12 and and how they've had a very good week too. This this week, my kind of my key takeaways were BYU's constant performance and BYU they. You know, they, they've been the underdog, I think, in two of their first three contests, and they come up and they're 3-0. and 
And BYU plays an outstanding, a solid brand of football, defensively, offensive, special teams. They are an extremely well-coached team. And I think, you know, I, I like to stay up late and watch those West Coast games. And, and BYU has been a team that I've liked to watch just, again, because of, of the way they play the game. And they had a big win against Utah two weeks ago, and I know in a huge rivalry game, I think – they had lost the nine previous contests to Utah in that rivalry in that in that what game they call the Holy War, uh, but that was that was one of my key takeaways on the West Coast. BYU is a is a formidable opponent and an up and coming team, just a, a very solid program. Penn State's win over Auburn, Penn State, you know their famous whiteout game, uh, and I think that's a very important game for a Big Ten team to beat a very good SEC football team. And I know it was a tight game and and. There were some, you know, some close calls towards the end of the game that I'll talk about later, but I think that shows that Penn State and I know many people have Penn State this year as being one of their most improved teams, and so, uh, and I, and I think it's it's coming to fruition. I think that Penn State with that win over you know Wisconsin in Week One, and now that win over Penn over Auburn now at home, it's kind of cemented them as a top ten program this year and a force to be reckoned with. Another team I want to touch on is, is one that, of course, is close to my heart. And anyone who knows me knows that I love academy football. I'm a huge fan of Navy, Army, Air Force, Citadel for numerous reasons. I love what they stand for. I love that these young men have, have made a commitment to, to defend our nation and just have the absolute utmost respect for everything that they do. Uh, that's first and foremost. Second, I love the style of football they play. And anyone who, again, who knows me, I've been, this is my ninth school to be at, and, and I've coordinated a lot of offense on all different levels, mostly on the 6A level in, in public schools in Houston. But I'm a flexbone guy. I'm an option guy. And the academies have made their name running option football. And so I love, I try to catch any academy game that's on TV. I'm watching it. I love the way they play. Again, love what they stand for. Love love everything about it. But I love the style of football and and kind and one of the teams. You know, I, I, again, love Air Force. I want them to all have success. Army and Coach Monken and his staff have come in, and I remember Army football has seen some real <laughs> have been to the depths. You know, of Division One football in the past. But Coach Monken and his staff have done an absolutely amazing job resurrecting the Army football program. And now they stand at 3-0. And I know they had a win over Connecticut, who's really struggling right now in Division I football. I know they've already you know, made a change at coach. But just the fact that Army can go out there and is right now 3-0, and and the way they, the way they run their option offense is just it's, – it's, it's perfect. It's, it's great. Every, every week, week in, week out, you have to prepare for it. And it's so hard to prepare for that offense – but but just so excited for Army and their success. I know I know Navy's kind of going through some transition right now and they're struggling a little. But you know Air Force is two and one, and so again, wanted to give a shout out to the to the Armed Forces and 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 again, love everything that they're doing and and love watching them play football. Now, my probably my key takeaway from this past weekend, of course, was the game everybody wanted to watch was Florida Bama. Um, and again, I had the utmost respect for both of these programs. I think, you know, of course, Coach Saban has built a dynasty. And there is not a program. There's a lot of great programs out there, but there none of them, I, I think, can even touch Alabama and what they've created as a program. And I think that no one, that no program 
is better in preparing before a game than Alabama. I think they go in better prepared than any team in the nation. There's no doubt. Their program, I think, is unparalleled. And what they've created is unparalleled. And I think it shows. Uh, you know, that's what happened, I think, in the first half against Florida. Bama goes in well-prepared, and they jump up on them 21-6. to Now, on the other hand, one of the knocks, and this is not my opinion, but one of the knocks is that they say that they don't make as many adjustments in the game. And I think we might have seen something like that this week in the Florida-Alabama football game. And I know that's been a cry from a lot of the Alabama fans, and I know a lot of the Alabama fans are up in uproar, and that's got to be a nice situation, right? When you're upset about a what 31-30 to victory, in the swamp, that, that which is, I mean, that's that's a nice situation when you're getting upset about winning. But anytime you go into a hostile environment like that, like Alabama did, and come away with a victory, I think is special. But what I think you saw, or I think we saw in that contest on Saturday afternoon was Florida made great adjustments on, on both sides of the ball. I think that their option offense, and and that's what Coach Saban talked about before the game was against that option offense. They do it. They do it in the gun. Very similar. It's a very similar style that we try to run here. That you have to play a plus one on defense because you never know who they're going to read. They read multiple players on defense, but you always have to have that extra player. And with them having such a great quarterback run game, which Coach Mullen's famous for, you always have to have that extra defender which makes you play man or match coverage in the secondary, which, again, their their passing game, Florida's passing game, comes off their running game, and it's very difficult to defend, especially Coach Mullen does an outstanding job of making adjustments within the game. And so I think that's what we saw on Saturday. They made great adjustments against Alabama. Alabama played great. Florida played great. It was a great football game. And so that was my key takeaway from that. Florida made the neat adjustments. They just fell short right there at the end of the game. So, again, I, I broke down that game, and, and that was a game I recorded because I wanted to go back and look at how Florida operates and the adjustments they made throughout that football game against just, again, probably the best program, maybe one of the best programs, if not the best program we've ever seen in college football in Alabama and Coach Saban. It's just, it's again, it's just it's spectacular for me. I, I love to sit there and watch and watch the dichotomy of the game and how it's broken down and how the adjustments each team makes. And, and I like to record at least one game a week, and most of the time different teams, so I can see how different coaches adjust. Um, and so, you know, looking at this week, some of the key games to me, of course, you know, being, a, like I mentioned last time, an A&M fan. Uh, so A&M Arkansas game is going to tell us a lot this week. Calzada stepped in, and the A&M offense stepped up and had a great week last week against Nevada. And I'm sorry, New Mexico. And uh, and Arkansas also rolled big last week again, and, and they're a hot football team right now. And so I'm really anxious to see that 230 kick, that primetime SEC game between Alabama and Arkansas this week. Also, I think big games that are going to tell us a lot is Wisconsin and Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame has been has had some ups and downs, but they are they are in Coach Kelly. They have done an outstanding job. They are solid in every aspect of the game. Much. Very similar to to what I mentioned with earlier about BYU, and so I'm really anxious to see how Notre Dame handles a top tier uh, Big Ten team in Wisconsin this weekend. And then the 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 local game I think of the week is SMU and TCU, the battle for the Metroplex. Both of them, I think SMU's two and zero, and TCU's three and zero. 
it's always a fun game to watch, and it's 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 always you know it's a nice rivalry out there, Dallas Fort Worth rivalry, and so that'll be a fun game to watch this weekend. Oh, no, no, no. One thing I want to talk about, you know, kind of a theme in college football that I want to that I want to mention is, and I know it's a highly contested right now. I was watching Luganville and um, Desmond Howard talk about it on College Football Live the other day. Is the targeting rule? And I know it's a sensitive subject in football, and and I want everybody to know first and foremost, safety is first and foremost. And I think, you know, the purpose of the targeting rule when it was implemented in two thousand eight, and then in two thousand thirteen. It transitioned from being evaluated after the game to being evaluated in game and leading to an ejection in college football. And so, the, you know, the, for me and for these, what we were looking at is, you know, the purpose of the targeting rule is to change the nature of the game, to make the game safer, which is outstanding. That's great. And I think it has. It has changed, as speaking from a coach's perspective, it has changed the way we have, teach block, have taught blocking and tackling. I've been doing this now 20 years. And now we teach tackling in a whole different manner, a much safer manner than we did before the targeting rule was instilled. And before this, this awareness for the improving the safety of football existed. And so, I mean, football, first and foremost, is a, is a, is a collision sport. It's a contact sport. Okay. So that is just the nature of the game. But this targeting rule to me has achieved its goal. It has changed the way we have taught breaking on the football in the secondary, changed the way we've taught, you know, how to how to tackle, how to block, how to rush the passer. It's totally changed the game of football, and I think it has achieved its goal. What I think they need to do now is look at the penalty for targeting. Too many times on a Saturday we watch a game and a targeting rule changes the whole complexion of the game. And I don't think that's what it's meant for, but I think that's what it's done. And so what I'm getting at is I think a 15-yard penalty for targeting is absolutely warranted. But unless it's absolutely malicious, which for the most part you can tell if a hit is absolutely malicious, then I don't think an injection is needed. I, don't, I, think, I think we have gone past that. I, don't, I think a, ejecting a player from a game totally changes the complexion of the game for one hit, and if you know anything about it, and if you've been on the sidelines, if you've been down there, it is extreme. These are exceptional athletes that are highly trained athletes, but it is very difficult with the speed of the game, in most instances, to control whether a player comes lower, comes higher, whether he's leading with helmet or accidentally hits a player in in the head and neck region. It's just very hard to judge. It's very hard to control in, in, in most instances. Now, there are definitely egregious times where a player comes in and makes and, is, and, is, and targeting is definitely warranted and it was malicious and that needs, a, needs to result in an ejection. But, there, but, but I think with the targeting rule has achieved its goal. I think it has changed football and changed football and made it safer, which is better for everyone. I think that's great. But I think too often now we're seeing Games decided by players being ejected. And I know that happened in the Penn State game with, a, with an Auburn player who looked to lead with his shoulder but was ejected right there on a goal line stand, was ejected from the game. 
And it's happened, and it happened in the Indiana Cincy game, and totally changed the complexion of the game. And I don't think that's what the the rule was meant to do, but I think that's what that has become a byproduct of that rule. And I just think it needs to be reevaluated. Um, the not the rule, but the penalty for the rule. So that's my take on that. Moving to pro football. Pro football was it's been a tough time for a Texans fan and an Eagles fan. Week one was great. Texans and Eagles both went one to zero. But since since we've been on the air in the last seven days, now the Eagles are one and one, and now the Texans are one and two after dropping a tough one last night to the Panthers. Um, and 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 kind of you know in in what we talked about, I remember in the first episode was everybody don't panic if your team's zero and one, and don't get too excited if your team's one and zero in the NFL. The NFL evens itself out. Because, again, the discrepancy between talent levels on team is so small. It is minuscule. And so the NFL always evens out. We saw a Green Bay Packers team that looked abysmal in week one. And they looked exceptional in, on Monday Night Football against the Detroit Lions. And Aaron Rodgers looked great. Looked like a totally different team. So that's what, and that's, that, that's always my takeaway about the NFL. Don't jump to conclusions in the NFL. The NFL always evens it out. Now, you're going to have those teams that rise above. I think there's, what, four or five teams right now that are 2-0. One's 3-0 after last night, Carolina. That's a well-coached football team that is playing very well. And, you know, they suffered a tough setback last night with McCaffrey with a, with a hamstring. But that's a – Coach Rule does an outstanding job in Carolina. And, and, and you see San Fran's 2-0. Tampa Bay right now looks unstoppable. So you look at these teams. There are teams that are pulling away from the pack – but it all evens out in the NFL. It does. I remember there was a what Steelers were eleven and zero last year, and then they hit a they hit a snag because they had to play a few games in less than seven days because of uh, COVID policies, and so that really hampered them last year. You never know injuries, injuries, and that's my takeaway from week two in the NFL is injuries control the NFL. Keeping your players on the field is of the utmost importance in every in every level of football, in every sport, right? But in the NFL, your quarterback situation, I think we had four quarterbacks injured this week in the NFL. I know the Texans lost Tyrod Taylor to a hamstring injury, and they were playing very well against a very good Cleveland team in Cleveland, and it just changes the complexion of the game. Davis Mills, I think, is going to be a great quarterback, but he wasn't ready to – he wasn't ready to go in and win football games yet. That's not a knock on him. That's just the nature of the game. It's very hard for rookie quarterbacks to come in – and be successful early on in their careers, unless they're in a really good situation. And so I think that's what we saw last night in the in the Panthers Texans game. Texans defense kept them in the game most tonight. Again, you, you we're gonna you have to score more points than nine points to win a football game in the NFL. But you know, looking at that, the the NFL I think it fluctuates so much, and a lot of it is is you have to keep your key players and all your team, but you have to keep your key players healthy in the NFL. And that's very hard to do. It's a again, it's a it's a very fast game. It's a it's a tough game, and so those teams that suffer those injuries, we, we see it we see it in their performance after <clears throat> after week two. And so it'll be how those teams adjust. And, you know how long those players are out. I think will determine you know how those teams rebound. Um, so look at, again, looking at it, most teams are one and one in the NFL. Everything evens out in the NFL. Uh, some of the key games. Was I think everybody, you know, that was a great game on Sunday night between Jackson and Mahomes and between the Ravens and the the Kansas City Chiefs. That was a fun game to watch. 
Um, you know, my takeaways on that are, you know, Baltimore's a very, both of them extremely well coached football teams. And both of them have a lot of pride. You know, if uh, the Ravens were staring 0-2 in the face, if they can't pull off that, that comeback victory at the end of the game, and, and they were able to do it. I think what we saw in Kansas City is right now they have some holes. They need to get those holes fixed. I think right now they have some significant deficiencies in their defense, especially their red zone defense. And I know that was showcased on Sunday night with the statistics they they discussed, you know, during the game. But but again, that's what the season's for. And I'm sure Coach Reed and his staff will are gonna work hard to to fix those deficiencies and 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 just to continue to get better. And but Mahomes and Jackson put on a show and, and it's just fun to watch the creativity in those offenses and the creativity by each of those quarterbacks. It's it's it's, it's really it makes it a very fun game to watch. Um also you know, moving forward in the NFL, I think, you know, everybody here in East Texas is looking at the Monday night game. And, and again, me being an Eagles fan, I explained why I'm an Eagles fan last week. But that I'm, I'm really looking forward now to that Monday night matchup between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Both teams want to know. Dallas played a real good game in San Diego and was able to come away from with a victory in San Diego this past weekend. That's a big win for them. And so I'm really looking forward to kind of see who emerges as the leader in that uh, division because I think that's going to be a highly contested division. Uh, I think all the teams will be right there pretty even, and, and it'll be, again, there'll be certain factors that determine who who comes out on the top towards the end of the season. But but this early, this game in week three between Philadelphia and Dallas could be a, could be a gem. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Always a Jalen Hurts fan, you know, being a, another boy. He and I grew up, I grew up in North Shore. He grew up in Channel View, which if you know Houston area, those two suburbs – right next to each other. Uh, I coached against him when he when I was at Baytown Sterling, and he was a f- starting quarterback at Channel View High School as a freshman. We were able to beat him in overtime, but, again, that was because he was a freshman. Um, so, uh, but, but, again, I'm always rooting for him. Hey, I really enjoy this opportunity to come here and talk football every week, and, and again, love this game, love the beauty of the game, love everything about it, and, and we're looking forward to tonight anytime we can step on the field and get to play a game right here in the beautiful backdrop of Meaver Field here at All Saints. So until next week, this is Coach Darns Raw over and out.